Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we've had kind of a theme running through the service so far, especially in the, in the hymns and the readings. The theme is following Jesus, following where he leads. And at first glance, that looks pretty easy, but I think we need to ask the question, what does that actually look like to follow Jesus? Because sometimes we, we end up, we're doing things, we, we think we're doing the right things, but are we actually following Jesus? Are we actually doing what God has called us to do? See, following isn't always as easy as it looks. So I want to share a story about cleaning your room. It's National Lutheran Schools Week, and uh, so I figure we should probably talk about that. How many of you have been asked recently to clean your room? Right? Maybe it's on the radar for later on this afternoon. Not just kids, adults, right? We get asked to clean our room. So I want to share a story of a family with four kids. And any of you that have kids or especially more than one kid, you know that things can very quickly go from clean to a disaster uh, at any moment. And so the parents have had enough. They tell their kids, all right. You guys need to go and clean your rooms. And then they begin to call them back oldest to youngest, assuming that the oldest can probably pick up their stuff a little sooner. So they call in the oldest son, and he comes in, buddy, did you clean your room? He said, I actually wrote a song about clean rooms. Right? It's a, it's a great song. It's super catchy. It, it's, it's all about how mom and dad love clean rooms, and it has a chorus that repeats like seven times in a row, and it's just the best. I wrote a song about clean rooms. That's great, buddy. But did you clean your room? No, but, but I wrote a song about it. All right, let's bring in kid number two. Did you clean your room? And he pulls out a, a stack of paper, which the parents assumed maybe was hiding, scattered throughout the room. And he said, I actually did some research on clean rooms. I wrote a paper about clean rooms. I researched uh, how, how rooms used to be, and it was really hard. They used to have dirt floors. I don't know how they cleaned it at all. And I wrote a paper called Clean Rooms Through the Centuries. Here's my paper on clean rooms. That's great, buddy. But did you clean your room? No, but I have a paper all about it. All right, kid number three. Did you clean your room? Well, I actually was just meeting with, with my, my discussion group, and we were talking about clean rooms. We had a guest speaker that shared all about toy boxes. There are these things that you can put your, your toys in so they're not scattered everywhere and we had a great discussion we're, we're, we're encouraging one another about clean rooms it, it, was, it was great okay that, that's awesome did you clean your room no but, but we had a really good discussion about it alright kid number four please did you clean your room pause out device and shows a picture of a clean room. Praise the Lord. 
He said, all right, tell me about that picture. This is a great picture. I, I, I put it on Instagram and put it different filters, and it's got a lot of follows. Well, where did you find that picture? I found it online. <laughs> found this great picture online of, of, of clean rooms, and I shared it, and all sorts of people are commenting on it and talking about how great a, a room this looks, how clean it is. That's awesome, buddy. Did you clean your room? No, but I, I have a picture of a clean room. See, I tell you that story to ask which one of those children actually followed what their parents had asked them to do. None of them. They, they all did stuff. They were all doing things that were about the topic of cleaning rooms, but none of them actually followed. See, and I think it's easy for us when we hear to follow Jesus, we can do all sorts of things. We can sing songs about following Jesus. We can write a paper or a devotion. We can have discussions about following Jesus. We can share pictures and scriptures and quotes about following Jesus. But at the end of the day, are we actually following him? Is all that activity around the topic without actually being obedient to what the Lord has called us to do. See, following Jesus isn't just about being busy doing religious stuff. Following Jesus is an action. Following Jesus is something that we do. And so what, what I'd like for us to do today is open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Uh, there's Bibles in the, in the pews in front of you. Which, by the way, thank the Lord that we're back uh, here uh, we have, we have uh, hymnals and, and pews and all that right in front of us. So Matthew chapter 4, this is our, our gospel reading, uh, where Jesus calls his first disciples. Because when we look at this, I think we get a good definition of what does it mean to follow Jesus. It's not just religious activity, it's not just doing a bunch of stuff, but there's some specific actions that we're called to do. So for Matthew chapter 4, here's the definition we get of following Jesus. To follow Jesus is to let go of sin, to hold on to the promises of God, and to reach out with his love. Follow Jesus first starts with letting go of our sin. See, in your Bibles, most Bibles at verse 18 will start a new section. They'll have kind of a new header there. Jesus calls the first disciples. But the reality is that section starts with verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus calling his disciples is founded, is built on his teaching to repent. Repent means to turn away from, and specifically means to turn away from sin. So when Jesus calls Andrew and Peter and James and John to follow him, he's calling them first, not just to drop their nets, but to drop their sin, to repent, to turn away from that which has separated them from God. Jesus is calling you to follow him. And the first step of that is letting go of your sin, of your 
burdens, your guilt, your shame, your brokenness, whatever separates you from God and his people, to let go of that. Because what we know today that these disciples didn't in Matthew 4 is that Jesus was going to carry those sins for people who would try to repent but ultimately couldn't. Jesus carried all of that to the cross. That's where the journey of follow me was leading. It's leading to the cross where Jesus himself would pay the price to forgive the sins of these disciples and of us today. The first step of following Jesus is Jesus forgiving and cleaning and claiming you. It's an invitation to let go of all that, that weighs us down, of the, the sin that entraps us. As we read in, in Hebrews chapter 12, it parallels nicely with, with this call of, of Jesus to follow. Hebrews 12, verse, uh, starting at verse 1, Therefore we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. Following Jesus starts with being forgiven by Jesus. His promise to you today is that your sins are washed away. So we let go of our sin, but God doesn't leave us empty-handed. We let go of our sin, and then as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, we hold on to his promises. See, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, he calls his disciples to follow him, and then he gives them a promise. I will make you fishers of men. And the disciples are called to hold on to that promise. They're called to hold on to all his promises going forward as things get difficult. And if you've read the Gospels, if you're kind of familiar with the story, you know that they don't have a great track record. Uh, there's a lot of times where they get things wrong, but the times where they speak with, with boldness, with confidence, is when they're holding on to the promises of God. When, when they're asking, who, who is Jesus? And Jesus asked his, his disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter says, confidently, boldly, holding on to the promises of God, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus says, on that confession, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not overcome it. Later in, in, uh, in John chapter 6, many disciples are leaving because they don't understand what Jesus is teaching. And Jesus turns to the twelve and he says, are you also going to leave? And Peter, confidently holding on to the promises of God, says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. That's what it means to follow Jesus. To let go of our sin and to hold, to cling to the promises of God in Jesus Christ. See, Hebrews 12 continues. Let us cast aside our sin and things. Let us run with endurance. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, scorned at the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. To follow Jesus 
is to lay aside our sin, to hold to his promises, to fix our eyes on Jesus. We hold on to his promises even when, if I don't feel forgiven, I hold on to God's promises that I am. When it seems like I shouldn't be welcome in the church, in God's family, I hold on to his promises in baptism that he brought me into his family. When it seems like there's no purpose, there's no hope, there's no point. I hold on to God's promises that he is indeed working. His word is living and active to follow Jesus, to hold on to his word no matter what. Because the reality is when we follow Jesus, his word is holding on to us. Following Jesus means to let go of our sins, to hold on to the promises of God, and then to reach out with his love. See, Jesus calls his disciples, and the very next thing that they do is they go throughout Galilee, and they're among people who are hurting. They're, they're oppressed. They're dealing with sickness and disease, and Jesus reaches out to heal them, to bring his promises, his message of repentance for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And these disciples, they won't fully get this until after Jesus dies and is raised for them. And after the resurrection of Christ, what do these disciples do? They reach out. They make disciples of all nations. They plant churches. They reach out with the love of God in Jesus Christ. See, as we celebrate National Lutheran Schools Week, this is why we have a school. This is why we exist as a congregation. This is why God has placed us in this family, to make disciples for life. That's the theme uh, across uh, the, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod this week, to make disciples for life. And here at Zion, we're tying that into our school theme. And this week, we'll be focusing on how we shine your light, how we reach out with God's love. Because to make disciples is so much greater than just uh, teaching about math or even you know, teaching about religion, memorizing some stuff. We're not just calling our students to talk about discipleship, to write papers about following Jesus, to sing songs about it. No, we, it's an invitation to actually follow Jesus. where our kids, our teachers, our staff are taught to let go of our sin, to forgive one another as, as we sin against one another in the classroom, at home, that the words of forgiveness are evident in this place. That we don't just memorize Bible verses for the sake of memory work. We don't just hear about the stories. We don't just gather together for chapel, but we hold on to God's promises that these promises would be promises that will hold our students for the rest of their lives. And we reach out with love as, as our students, as our teachers love and care for one another, encourage one another in the classroom, in outside activities, at their homes. See, what a Lutheran school does is it creates disciples for life today. School is not about making disciples for tomorrow or the church of the future. No, they're the church today. 
the church now. They're being made into disciples and they are doing the work of following Jesus today. But it's not just for our school. It's for all of us. In our homes, we're called to make disciples, not for a season, not for a moment, but for life. As Jesus calls you to follow me. Follow me. That in your homes, words of confession, of forgiveness would be evident. You would let go of your sin. Receive the forgiveness of God and Jesus Christ. Share that with one another as you forgive each other in your house. That you would hold on to God's promises. You would remind each other. You would encourage one another with God's word. You would gather together in worship as a family so you can hold on to God's promises with God's people. That would follow Jesus by reaching out, by loving one another, by, by in our homes, sharing love Jesus, serving one another, by extending from that out to, to our neighbors, to those around us. This is the vision of following Jesus for our school, for our homes, also for our congregation. And as we begin a new year, it's normal to ask, where, where are we going? What, what are we doing as Zion in 2023? We're making disciples for life. We're following Jesus. And what does that look like? We're letting go of our sin. That's why when we gather together, we begin worship by confessing our sins, bringing it to God, and receiving his forgiveness. We're holding on to his promises as we hear them through his word, as we sing them through the songs, as we encourage one another to dive into the word through Bible study. We hold on to those promises and we reach out. Plenty of opportunities as a congregation and, and as us as disciples individually to reach out as God's people, as he works in and through us. See, God has called us not just to sing songs about following him, to write papers or have discussions or share pictures of following Jesus but to actually take steps through his Holy Spirit. And what it does for each of us is wherever we're at, the love of God and Jesus Christ leads us deeper into discipleship, into following Jesus. It moves us from, well, I, I'm sending my, my kid to school so that they teach him about Jesus. Following Jesus leads us, say, no, I'm partnering with the school. It leads us even deeper you know, I'm leading at home and the school is helping what we're doing at home because we're following Jesus. It leads us deeper from, I'll give God whatever's left over. It leads us deeper to the first fruits. God gets my best because he has given me his best in Jesus Christ. It leads us from there to then, it's all his. Lord, my time, my treasure, my talents, it's all yours. What do you want me to do with what you have given to me? It leads us from, I have a Bible, to, I've opened my Bible, I'm reading it, I want to study it with others, I want to, to, to memorize parts of it, to be diving into the Word, to have the Word as my authority for my life. Wherever you're at in your discipleship journey, God calls us to follow Him and always leads us deeper, not deeper into our own works, deeper into the works of Christ. When Jesus called the disciples to follow him, he didn't give them a list of rules of things to do. No, discipleship is more about 
a list of what God has done for you. And as we grow deeper into that, as we follow Jesus deeper into his love, his grace, his forgiveness, we find that we're shining our light. We're making disciples not for a season, not for a moment, not for a grade level, but for life. Because the God who calls us to follow me is not at a distance saying, hey, catch up, you're behind. No, he is right there with us. Every step of the way with his forgiveness, with his promises, with his grace. So dear brothers and sisters in Christ, let us follow Jesus. Let us let go of our sin, hold on to his promises, and reach out with his love. In his name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Until he comes.